This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Welcome to the show. It is Mayor's Monday here on WHMP, and this Monday we have with us the mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Wiedegartner. Thank you, Madam Mayor, for being with us. We so appreciate it. I'd like to, I'd like to share with our listeners uh, a bit of a story involving the Greenfield police, because in a lot of communities, many communities, uh, the fight about the police department has, well, re- been reduced from this uh, feverish boil that it was at uh, two years ago, maybe even a year ago. But in Greenfield, the fight over the police continues. And it is a front page story often in the Greenfield Recorder, and it is a major community issue. So I'd like to go through the story in summary. Uh, please feel free to correct, add to, or uh, subtract from anything I say with, in this regard. Monty, you too, please. Will do. <clears throat> okay. So this story starts, kind of, uh, when there is a lawsuit brought by a police officer, the only black police officer on the force, Patrick Buchanan, against the city of Greenfield and police chief Robert Haig for a claim of discrimination when that officer, Patrick Buchanan, was denied a promotion in 2015. The case goes to trial this year. It is, it is, the trial is held in Hampshire County in Northampton, really just for logistical reasons. And the jury returns a verdict saying, yes, in fact, the police chief and the city discriminated in this hiring decision and awarded 92, almost $93,000 in back wages, $350,000 in emotional distress. There was added to that $567,544 in attorney's fees. Adding to that is the prejudgment interest, which is statutory in Massachusetts, and the total comes to over a million dollars. The insurance company, on behalf of the city, which is defending the suit, has filed an appeal and has also filed a motion for a new trial. That has not been decided. Neither of those have been decided. The appeal is going to take a long time. The motion for a new trial could be decided at any time, but we don't know when exactly. So that's the story of the lawsuit, Patrick Buchanan versus Police Chief Robert Haig and the city of Greenfield. There's another aspect to this story, which is that during the trial, some conversation occurred outside the courthouse between the police chief and an individual. I'm not sure who that was. And and as a result of that conversation, the mayor, Roxanne Wiedegardner, who was going to, I'm sure, correct or add to or subtract (laughs) from this in just a minute, uh, the mayor suspended, put on paid administrative leave, the police chief, while an investigation took place. I am still unclear about what the investigation was about, but it came back, as I understand it, saying that the police chief, who was on paid administrative leave for four months, uh, was not found to have committed some transgression and was reinstated. That just happened in the last couple of weeks. So... That four-month suspension, which ran from, I believe, uh, uh, the conversation in the parking lot was April 22nd. The uh, jury verdict was in May. The suspension was uh, after the verdict was returned. The police chief is now reinstated. Uh, The mayor issued a press release the same day or same evening as the city council meeting where the mayor informed this council of her decision As I understand it, it is the mayor's prerogative to reinstate or not reinstate the police chief, but there were some counselors who were just livid that the the press announcement about the reinstatement and the information being shared with them happened about the same time. And I think that brings us up to date, more or less. Madam Mayor, want to add to, subtract from, or correct any of that recitation? Uh, I'll do a, a, a little bit of a, a correction, I guess I would say, um, or and perhaps add too. So I'm not 100% sure on the figure for the attorney's fees because there was some motions to the effect of 
that were uh, a motion was denied on attorney's fees. So I'm not sure about that one. And that's just me uh, saying uh, maybe they were asking for additional attorney's fees and that that was turned down by the judge. I don't recall which without having those notes in front of me, which I don't. Um, the other thing is the individual involved in the incident that took place outside the court is uh, a police lieutenant, long-serving police lieutenant, Lieutenant Todd Dodge. So it was a conversation between he and the chief that um, was concerning enough to the chief to report it to his lawyer uh, and then uh, have that lawyer report it to the judge. And that was the result of that. What resulted out of that was um, a voir dire uh, hearing uh, in the courtroom outside of the earshot, I guess, <laughs> the jury was not present uh, for that. That voir dire was subsequently sealed, and, um, and then a request by the defendant's attorneys uh, to unseal it uh, has not been granted yet. So that's a little additional information that kind of factors into to this case, and I can give you a uh, a quick, and I can give you additional information since you expressed not having that uh, with regard to the investigation. The investigation was about that very conversation uh, because two people spoke to the judge. Uh, one of them uh, during that voir dire may or may not have been telling the truth. Um, and it was important to uh, get to the bottom of that. And I asked uh, for uh, the investigation to go forward, and both Chief Haig and Todd Dodge were placed, placed, on, placed on administrative leave at that point in time. Um, the uh, investigation was conducted by a firm by the name of Clifford and Kenny. They are one of maybe a handful, three or four uh, firms in the state of Massachusetts that do those kinds of independent internal investigations. So um, Todd Dodge was uh, removed from his uh, paid leave of absence uh, within a few weeks of being put on paid leave, uh, primarily for staffing reasons, because in the middle of all of that, uh, the city council uh, cut the police budget by $425,000. So the state city was facing in their police department. A number of layoffs with the Chief Haig gone and Chief uh, Lieutenant Dodge gone. Um, the acting police chief uh, was shy, uh, an important member of his command staff. So Dodge was reinstated? Yes. Okay. Before the chief. Before the chief. Uh, I left the chief on pending the investigation. Um, the investigation, as you, I believe, noted, was that, um, by the way, uh, Todd Dodge and his attorneys refused to be part of the investigation when they were asked. So they did not answer any questions. Um, chief Haig made himself available, and by the account of the investigation, which is a matter of public record, um, he was truthful, honest, and unwavering in his story. The, con the conversation we should note, I believe this is, I've read this in the Greenfield Recorder, and therefore it's public information, that the conversation had something to do with the case and the potential or the possibility of resolving the case. Uh, a financial. <clears throat> so that was the conversation that has been investigated that has resulted in this report that has resulted in you, Madam Mayor, reinstating the police chief uh, into his position, back in his position uh, as police chief, Robert Haig. Yeah, meanwhile. Based, okay. Meanwhile. Based on the fact that um, the investigation said there is no credible reason to um, um, believe that the police chief said anything other than the truth during the investigation and during the voir dire to the extent that they were able to understand it without having the entire voir dire available to them. 
Meanwhile, there are two aspects of this with regard to funding of the police and reform, potential reform of the police department. One is that the city council has cut the budget, $425,000, resulting in layoffs, but some adjusting of staffing positions so that the initial seven or eight positions that was believed would be lost and actually has been reduced to, I think, three positions, three or four. You could clarify that for us. And secondly, there has been pending in front of the Greenfield City Council a request from you, Madam Mayor, uh, for a for a, an audit, money for an audit to look at the police department and its policies and procedures, and that remains stuck in city council. Do I have both That's, of those right? You do. You do. Very much so. Now, one of the things that is controversial about this potential audit that came up at last Wednesday night's council meeting is who will have oversight over this audit. This is a clip from Wednesday night's meeting from Councillor John Bottomley. Given the current leadership, I doubt meaningful results will be achieved. One of the main reasons the audit was proposed is in reaction to Chief Haig's actions as documented in the Buchanan case. Yet Haig is the one that would work with auditors and is the person charged with implementing change. So to me, that just stretches credibility to the absolute breaking point. So I'm an absolute no on any amount for this audit. Is it true that Chief Robert Haig would be the one overseeing the audit essentially of himself and his department? Councillor Bottomley has it all wrong, and I think that probably has something to do with just not paying any attention. Um, it's been made very clear that this is an independent audit. That's why I need the money in order to hire a firm. Uh, there are several across the country that do this on a regular basis. A couple of them specialize in ra racial bias audits of police departments. Uh, they uh, control the process. The consultants who would be hired control the process. Naturally, they need to work with command staff, including the police chief, in order to get all the records. All the records. It's not. It's. It has to do with operations. It has to do with budgeting. It has to do with promotional policies. So they need all that information, and they have to work with the police department. But they form a uh, a group. You know, they involve the people. The um, you know, people of the city of Greenfield in their uh, impressions. They involve officers that are serving. Uh, these are rather, these are very in-depth. I've read the reports from, done by one in, in the, one of these uh, entities, one firm, um, on the city of Albany, the city of, um, ooh, ooh, in the eastern part of the state, I can't think of it right off the top of my head, here in Massachusetts, uh, one in North Carolina, um, there's been several that I've read, and they're very involved, uh, and they involve a lot of uh, different people in order to get to it. But, no, uh, obviously what happens from that is recommendations uh, for um, how to proceed where they see weaknesses. Well, <laughs> a police chief in charge of the department has to be the one to uh, carry out and implement that change. Um, a counselor by the name of Marianne Bullock actually proposed a task force that she was wanting to have funded as well. Um, and she and I worked closely together on that um, task force because we had to come to some agreement as to how it would function. And as I explained to her, I would envision that pretend task force of citizens um, to sort of run concurrently, and that's that's done too. I understand. Um, so there is thinking. there is a task force, but as no. of now, there is no funding for the audit. So the audit is at no. well, it's not going forward. <laughs> there, there is no task force either. Uh, she uh, at the last minute uh, withdrew her request for funding as a task force. Um, and so that didn't come before the, um, there was a financial order to fund the task force too, or at least partially fund it. Um, the only outstanding part of that funding was 
what the stipends would be. And until we had a, uh, a fully formed uh, task force, we wouldn't know how much to appropriate for a stipend. So uh, it was partial order. Uh, so that was withdrawn, and um, but I did not withdraw the request for the for the audit because a task force could be formed at any point in time. And um, so uh, it's right now the only thing before them is the funding for the audit. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. I have a last question on this, which is: Does police reform? Does the investigation of the department depend on the audit? And without the audit, or is Greenfield stuck? I'm going to be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. What what I'm trying to communicate is that there are many, many layers of of safety management in place at Eversource to ensure that we reduce as much risk as as possible. Does the Bliss Street Station intentionally vent gas regularly? Because I can tell you that it vents gas. Pretty much every time I've gone to that area, I have smelled gas. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. I am Marco, and I am always been full of life, full of energy, and always on the go. At the age of 21, I was diagnosed with kidney disease. My life was saved by an organ donor. Receiving a life-saving organ put my life back into play, and I was able to move forward and make my dreams come true. Anyone can sign up to be an organ donor, whether you're 16 or 96. Be a hero. Be an organ donor. Register today. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. State Street Fruit Store. What the heck is a fruit store anyway? Well, State Street opened in Northampton in the 1920s as a fruit store, selling local fruit and other produce from the valley. And even though State Street has grown to be much more deli, wines, spirits, they are still a fruit store. And right now, State Street and their sister store, Cooper's Corner in Florence, are under an avalanche of apples and everything from the orchards up and down the valley. Galas and Honeycrisps, McCown and the good old-fashioned Macintosh, along with pears, plums, and other delights from the orchard. Northampton has always been a fruity place. We are what we eat. State Street Fruit Store in Northampton and Cooper's Corner in even fruitier Florence. Smith Academy in Hatfield is accepting school choice applications through September 30th. With class sizes averaging 10 students, Smith Academy can offer more than 20 clubs, 7 AP courses, 14 sports teams, work studies and internships, free dual enrollment at HCC and Smith College, and computer science for all students. With a graduation rate of over 95%, most college-bound, Smith Academy can prepare you for the next step. No cost to apply or attend. Call them or go to HatfieldPS.net and schedule a tour today. Caring for someone with cancer is hard. You're so busy taking care of someone else, you have no idea how you feel. There's so much you can't say. You run on adrenaline. You're worried you're going to burn out. Cancer Connection offers support groups just for caregivers, exercise classes to blow off steam, even Reiki. It's all free. Go to cancer-connection.org to learn more or to donate today. Cancer Connection relies on local donations to make its services free of charge. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. On this Mayor's Monday, we continue our conversation with the mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Wiedegartner. We have been talking about policing, the council, money for the police department, cuts to the department, requests from the mayor for an audit of the police department, money for that uh, audit. Madam Mayor, I wanted to clarify with you, you have a proposal, a financial proposal in front of the council for an audit of the police department, which would involve investigation, obviously, by the independent auditor of any number of aspects of the department, its processes and procedures and policies. Uh, Without that money to do the audit, is Greenfield kind of stuck at this point where nothing really is going to happen in terms of reform of the department? 
Well, um, I, I just want to be very mindful of the time here because I do have to end at uh, 9.30. I am sitting in a room where I will <laughs> then have to be eating. <laughs> so, um, but I don't know that we're ever really stuck. Um, uh, my motivation for the audit was to ensure that an independent entity without prejudice uh, and with all the skills um, required to conduct such an audit, do an audit. And from there, then, because based on the recommendations, then I think we um, can go forward. Uh, but I think the whole community, not a handful of people, but the whole community needs to be I know, but 930, I have to be on this call. It's <laughs> uh, hard to mayor. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, it is. And uh, so anyway, um, where was I? Oh, I think uh, the entire community has to have confidence in what goes forward. Uh, it is presumed, it appears, that based on um, some very um, loud voices, and I think many of them have legitimate concerns, um, but it is not the whole community. I think, by and large, the larger community uh, supports our police department, wants to have a fully functioning police department, trusts our police department. Um, so, well, in that in that regard, let me ask Monte. I know you have yeah. a question. Robbie Haig has been beloved for many years in the city of Greenfield, and I know there's a lot of support for him um, from you previous to this incident, but there is an aspect of the community that has lost confidence in Chief Haig because of the, the finding by the jury of racial animus, and that in some cases have lost faith in you because of your reinstatement of him. What is it about Chief Haig that made you feel confident to reinstate him, given that finding of racial animus by that jury? Well... Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of answers to that. I've, I've known Chief Haig uh, now for a better part of two and a half years. Uh, for an entire year, I, I met every morning with my emergency operations command staff through COVID, of which he was a key member. Um, and you don't do that day after day talking about life and death issues and not understand the measure of the people that are sitting there with you and the degree of care that they have, not only for the community, but for the people who work for the community and the people that work for them. And um, Chief Haig was unwavering in his willingness to, um, to do everything that could be done to protect the health and safety of the people of Greenfield. Um, that needed to happen during, you know, the pandemic. So, um, and then I got to understand what he has done since he became a member of the police department, uh, became chief of the police department, uh, with regard to um, some very difficult decisions that he had to make. And in this particular case, Patrick Buchanan was one of them, and it could well have been a mistake. We, what he has done. We will not know until he is able to exercise the full due process, which is a new trial or an appeal. Um, so, um, but he's the one who started the co-responder program. We would not have a co-response program if it weren't for the efforts of the chief who went out and found uh, the money and found the grant and utilized every aspect of his relationship with all of the social service agencies that he works with very closely um, to um, ensure that we had a proper, uh, you know, functioning co-response program with uh, paid um, social workers and so forth. Um, unfortunately, that program has had to be greatly diminished because of the budget cuts. So that's just one example, but there are many others. Um, he has certainly raised the morale of the police department, or had uh, raised the morale of the police department from the time he got there. And um, I, uh, that is the answer to that question. 
<laughs> and I really do have to <laughs> We respect that, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor. This has been Mayor's Monday with the Mayor of Greenfield, Roxanne Rita Gardner. Thank you, Madam Mayor. All right. Thanks. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. A Florence man is facing charges after Northampton Police Department officers that were working the Florence Night Out event saw him driving towards pedestrians on the sidewalk on Saturday. At around 7.40 p.m., a male operator drove his car on the sidewalk towards pedestrians to get around the blocked roadway by police cruisers. The operator was stopped by two police officers that were at the event. The officer suspected the driver was under the influence of alcohol and attempted to remove him from his vehicle. The driver resisted arrest and physically fought the officers. More than $250,000 in grants have been awarded to Western Massachusetts communities or projects that will focus on conserving forests and improving access to outdoor recreational areas. A total of $253,200 will be distributed through 10 grants to seven communities in Franklin and Berkshire counties, as well as two organizations as part of the Commonwealth Celebration of Climate Week. Students involved in an educational program intended to promote science, technology, engineering, and math, called STEM activities, will have the opportunity to talk with an astronaut aboard the International Space Station. At the Big E Arena tomorrow, students will speak via live radio with U.S. astronaut Bob Hines. The ISS is currently in orbit 260 miles above the Earth, traveling at 17,500 miles per hour. Thirteen students from New England SciTech of Natick, Mass., will participate in the program at the Big E. The event is open to the public. For today, look for a mixture of sunshine and clouds. It'll be breezy, chance for afternoon showers, highs 70 to 74. Tonight, becoming mostly clear, overnight lows 46 to 50. And the outlook for Tuesday, partly sunny, highs around 70. I'm 22 New Storm Team Meteorologist Adam Stremko on 101.5 WHMP. This News Minute is brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. Yo soy Johan Rochevega con la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media. El presidente Joe Biden dijo el jueves que toda la fuerza del gobierno federal está lista para ayudar a Puerto Rico a recuperarse de la devastación del huracán Fiona, incluso cuando las provincias atlánticas de Bermudas y Canadá se estaban preparando para una gran explosión de la tormenta de categoría 4. Hablando en una sesión informativa con funcionarios de la Agencia Federal para el Manejo de Emergencias en Nueva York, Biden dijo, estamos todos juntos en esto. Biden señaló que cientos de funcionarios de FEMA y otros funcionarios federales ya están en Puerto Rico donde Fiona provocó un apagón en toda la isla. Más del 60% de los clientes de electricidad permanecieron sin energía el jueves y un tercio de los clientes estaban sin agua, y los funcionarios locales admitieron que no podían decir cuándo se restablecería completamente el servicio. Biden dijo que su mensaje a la gente de Puerto Rico que todavía sufre por el huracán María hace cinco años es «Estamos con ustedes, no nos vamos a marchar». Eso pareció contrastar con el expresidente Donald Trump, quien fue ampliamente acusado de una respuesta inadecuada a María que dejó a algunos puertorriqueños sin electricidad durante 11 meses. En otras informaciones, en el 2017, el New North Citizens Council ayudó a 600 familias que llegaron a Springfield, Massachusetts, tras el huracán María. La ciudad se está preparando ahora para asistir a puertorriqueños que han sido afectados por el huracán Fiona. Líderes en Springfield están trabajando con una organización comunitaria para establecer un centro de bienvenida para las familias que han sido afectadas por el huracán Fiona. Rosa Espinosa, directora de programas del New North Citizens Council, se reunieron el martes en el ayuntamiento de Springfield para presentar un plan de acción en caso de que los puertorriqueños empiecen a llegar a la ciudad en las próximas semanas. Espinosa dijo que las familias pueden llamar de antemano o simplemente presentarse. Yo soy Johan Rashivega y esta fue la síntesis informativa de Holyoke Media a través de WHMP. This News Minute has been brought to you by our partners at Holyoke Media. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. This is our Black in the Valley segment. 
our segment host, the Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks, who has with her and us today a very special guest. The pleasure, the honor of the introduction is yours. Jacqueline. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bill and Monty, too. Um, our guest this morning is Dr. Mulegeta Adonifer. He's a professor of uh, political economy, a whole bunch of stuff here, just like a whole bunch of stuff uh, that we live every day. Uh, he has an upcoming book called The Future of Democracy and the Betrayal of Posterity. And looking at this both from uh, a national and a global uh, perspective to see how much we have in common and especially as we near time for the November election for us to start looking critically at what is and what we are hoping, what, and what, what exists rather than what we want to exist. Uh, the book again, the title is, uh, would you give it to us, uh, Dr. Agonifer? Uh, yes, that's the future of democracy and the betrayal of posterity. That's the title of the book. What do you mean by that title? Uh, it just uh, looks at uh, the political economy of uh, of the U.S. and and uh, the world in general, and and, uh, and of course uh, we all know today uh, in terms of uh, where the economy is heading. And the gap and the inequality is extreme inequality, and uh, you know, from the perspective of the economy, and then from all other aspects, including the environment, and uh, looking at it, it, it uh, kind of examines uh, what kind of uh, legacy are we living for posterity, and, uh, and uh, it doesn't look like we are. Uh, doing a good job at uh, uh, leaving anything useful to our, you know, to our next generation. And uh, so in that sense, that we are uh, betraying them. Because uh, remember, the, uh, the, um, the, the central uh, message in terms of, if you look at the U.S., for example, is that uh, uh, the the, um, the American dream. You know, if you work hard enough, you move up in the economic ladder, and your children will live even better than you are. Those things are questioned, and uh, instead, we're basically leaving them um, with huge uh, debt and all other uh, issues that we can uh, discuss as we continue our discussion. Now, now you had mentioned in a conversation we had that there are many parallels. While Americans have, on, uh, ha have a mask in many different ways, we look and we think that we are living the American dream in much the same way as uh, our recent uh, guest, quote, unquote, that were uh, flown to uh, Martha's Vineyard, they were given a picture of the American dream. And you say that the rest of us are living under the illusion or under a nightmare because the dream is not meant for the majority of the people and especially the people who feel so dedicated to it. Could you speak a little bit on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was um, something that has gradually developed in terms of the inequality and, and the promise that was um, not really fulfilled in terms of the current generation. Um, and, and, and partly because of this excess greed by corporations and, uh, and the original uh, way of uh, doing business in terms of the capitalist system that was supposed to um, do justice to people who work hard enough has gradually uh, been um, short-circuited by, by those who have uh, essentially um, 
accumulated the wealth and, and, and the system and eradicated competition and all that stuff. And so that has uh, created in terms of uh, the accumulation of wealth in the hands of the few. And uh, and, and most people are just uh, um, uh, struggling to make, uh, um, you know, uh, a living. And, and that has created all kinds of social uh, problems, and particularly, you know, blaming the victims, you know. It comes to the question of uh, um, immigrants, for example, have become scapegoats for politicians have not been able to focus on solving the problems of unemployment, uh, environmental degradation, and all that stuff. Um, uh, so what they do is they essentially um, point to immigrants as, for example, uh, to an unemployed uh, citizen by pointing to the immigrants and saying, they're the ones who are taking your job. And so you have this uh, folks who have uh, a common uh, uh, interest. You see them fighting one another. That's what I mean by blaming the victim. Professor Agonifer, kind of, I'd like you to stop there uh, and, and uh, uh, focus on that that point for a moment, if you would, please. A lot of coverage today uh, about how immigrants are political pawns, and in particular how governors DeSantis and Abbas are fighting with each other to see who can be the most radical right-wing uh, politician in the Republican Party. Uh, but they are both popular among the base, for sure, because they say that they are taking positions that seem to resonate with a disturbingly large number of uh, American citizens. And I would like to know from you, since you were just focusing on the employment aspect of this, why this targeting of immigrants seems to work politically, given that we have full employment and we, there are jobs going begging and we need people, we need more people to drive the economy, more workers to do the work. How do you, how do you reconcile those two seemingly inconsistent facts? Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm partly, I think, um, um, partly the educational system is to blame. Um, because it hasn't really the most important things for citizens to understand in, in, in a country like a highly developed country like the United States is how the economy works, also how democracy works, and both are not really covered in the educational system here. Yeah, yeah you go through you know civics and, and a couple of classes, but they're not really focused on that. So. Um, so they don't understand how the, the, the economic uh, system works. And so the result is that the, their understanding of being unemployed um, is that a result of these immigrants uh, coming and taking over the jobs, even though if they are given the job of these immigrants, they will not take it. And uh, Because, you know, the standard of living here is, it's different, and so they can't go in the farms and work and be exposed to pesticides and all that stuff. They will sue the hell out of the companies, and so that's not going to work out. But because they don't see how the economy works, and that this economic system, you know, it's just um, they they have they have abandoned. Uh, you know, the manufacturing sector no longer exists here. It has gone overseas, leaving all those folks unemployed. Um, and so uh, even though we see uh, jobs opening, and a lot of people say there are a lot of jobs opening, but they're not really going to cover all the expenses um, for uh, for folks. You know, you can't, you can't ask for a family of five or three or two to work in McDonald's, and then are going to cover their mortgage or their rent or, or uh, their uh, everyday expenses. And so the result is, it's, you know, 
depending on social services, is much better than than working. So that's part of the issue. Um, so I would I would say it is partly the educational system that hasn't really prepared them to see the root causes of the problem. And so um, it's not an accidental for extreme um, right wingers to be popular because they resonate with these folks' emotions. Yes. I would like to uh, interject a, a question or a point. Um, you mentioned the right wingers and the role in which they play, and sometimes unknowingly, um, the divide and conquer piece that's often used. And, uh, and they appeal to what the group that we call the right wingers. And the same, the same uh, strategy exists when it comes to global economy, global politics, globalization, the American way or the, the Western way. Um, th- those things work together so well. You have tackled, you have started to move into the, the, the American arena, but you also have done a lot of your work and your research um, looking at it globally. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and yeah. the outcome, what, are there similar outcomes that you see? Uh, we see the outcome is pretty clear. Uh, it's an extension of um, um, the uh, growth of the the, the uh, economic system, which is a capitalist system that has gone overseas and have become, you know, corporations relocating to different parts of the world in search of cheap labor and so on and so forth. I've also created the same type of problems there, you know, I mean, exploitation of resources, environmental degradation, and, you know, and, but maximization of profit is huge, so it's very attractive for them to go there. And of course, um, uh, it has uh, political implications as well, because they, they need the indigenous political system to work for them, which means that's why you hear all kind of coups and counter coups in those developing countries. So that you know, dictatorship usually is uh, agreeable with this cooperating and inviting corporations and so on and so forth. So you have all this political system, and these corporations working inside. Let me inside. interrupt you. Let me interrupt you for a moment. Uh, and and ask you as you as you break it down the political uh, economy analysis what can what can the the common people do lay people who are not experts in political economy uh, how do we open our eyes to what's happening and to the power that we have to make a difference. I'd like to interrupt here because that's a great teaser, and it's the question we're going to ask the professor to share the answer with us right after this. Thank you so very much, both of you. We'll be right back. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. Join Mark Patrick seminars and lose the weight guaranteed for only $49.99. Hypnosis designed to stop disordered eating and cravings. Also, you can stop smoking with Mark Patrick seminars. Hypnosis can destroy your desire to smoke without cravings, irritability, and weight gain, or your money back. Join the over half million others who have attended. Seminars are Monday, October 3rd at Hotel Northampton. The weight loss seminar is at 5.30 and the stop smoking seminar is at 8 p.m. Go to markpatrickseminars.com to learn more. At American National, we understand the tried and true farm and ranch lifestyle, and what's important to you is important to us. You deserve an insurance plan custom made to meet all the specific needs of your agribusiness operation. American National offers flexible farm and ranch policies with package options to help better protect your livelihood. We're right by your side. For more information and to connect with a local American National agent, just visit AmericanNational.com. 
American National Property and Casualty Company and Affiliates, Springfield, Missouri. Things to do with butternut. Roast it with butter and sage, mash it with butter and maple syrup, stuff it with quinoa, kale, and cranberries, and then there's curried butternut soup. Squash. The season is long, the recipes are endless, and River Valley Co-op is a fall festival of squash. Next time you're there, buy that squash you never buy. Kabocha squash or Blue Hubbard squash. Why? Why not? River Valley Co-op. Everyone is welcome, not just members. And everyone is wild about local squash. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160. For the first time in 50 years, I'll be convening a White House conference on hunger, nutrition, and health. This Wednesday, Mr. Belmonte goes to Washington. Hey, that's me. Dad always used to say the only causes worth fighting for were the lost causes. I'll be at the White House conference on food, nutrition, health, and hunger. Hearing from experts and those affected by hunger. Will I get to meet the president? Who knows? With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Should I bring the AOC-inspired dress that I wore on the March for the Food Bank last year? Probably. Okay. Can you explain why? Be listening later this week and find out if we, as a nation, can find a solution to do what Congressman Jim McGovern has wanted to do for a long time. We must end hunger now. Because I wouldn't give you two cents for all your fancy rules. If behind them, they didn't have a little bit of plain, ordinary, everyday kindness. Plus, this Wednesday is when you can sign up to join the March for the Food Bank 13. Sign up at montysmarch.com. You're not going to have a country that can make these kind of rules work if you haven't got men that have learned to tell you human rights from a punch in the nose. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. We continue our Black in the Valley segment with our segment hosts, the Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks and our very special guest today, Professor Mulagate Oganifer from Springfield College. He is a longtime professor there, and we should note he has his Doctorate of Philosophy and in International Relations from UMass Amherst. The microphone is yours, Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith-Crooks. Thank you, Bill. You know, in in some of our earlier conversations, um, I I kept bringing, uh, what kept coming to mind was the whole thing around community development and the politics of economy, not just, quote, political economy. And what can we do? What can the masses do uh, when we look at building community in the midst of all of these happenings. How can we respond? I think uh, partly I think uh, people need to um, participate in the political processes. Uh, By that I mean they have to... uh, There are some rules of the game that needs to be changed. You know, I mean, mean, for example... uh, uh, say, for example, like the, the um, what do you call it, um, this campaign contributions uh, that, mm. that Citizens United has created has has, has made some people uh, not uh, run for office. You know, I mean, it's discouraging if they don't have enough money to run for office. So once people run through campaign expenditures given by some corporations or wealthy person, they will be accountable to them and not to the community. So community needs to be organized and be able to um, challenge those kind of rules uh, and, and, and be able to uh, really figure out a way to uh, elect a truly representative to their, their community or their district. And um, I think that the, the political system is there. It's just a question of, uh, you know, fully, uh, full participation, a little bit of uh, adjustment of, uh, of the system, of the rules, the game, instead of just playing the game. Um, You've mentioned two things, I think, uh, that really... Uh, resonate with me. One is education, the other is communitization, community coming together. 
And um, if we were to go away with any thoughts of what's happening now, both nationally, locally, and what's happening globally, they're pretty much the same thing. Yeah, there's a lot of change taking place. Um, you know, at the global level, uh, we are uh, witnessing uh, a major uh, great power rivalry, and uh, that's one of those dangerous times that we live in because any time you have the um, power uh, structure changes at the global level, there is a crisis, and hopefully it's not going to happen. But um, we have seen it when the Dutch gave up to the British, and the British gave up to, to the U.S., and now the U.S. is being challenged by China. Uh, so how it's going to end up is, uh, is a big question mark. Uh, so there's some theories. Uh, the, 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 this trap, for example, a guy who wrote the, Pelopo, uh, the Peloponnesian War, have taught us that there is a trap there. You know, when a major power sees uh, a rivalry rising up, you know, there is a conflict, they will be uh, tempted to stop that power, and that creates a, a global conflict. There is another one, the same, um, the same um, kind of um, uh, thesis that the Hindelberger trap, which is the same thing. And again, um, this one is slightly different when a weaker power um, thinks that it is, uh, uh, the bigger power is going to affect it. Yes, it's going to challenge it. So that's like the crisis, crisis happens at the global level. The power. I, I'm going to put a pin here because we have a half a minute, and this is a kind of conversation that should go on and on um, in circles in communities so that we can open our eyes to what's happening and take action, and especially uh, when it comes to the voting uh, that's upon us. We have work to do. We have work to do. Thank you so very much for joining us this morning. And we will continue our conversation. Thank you. Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Smith Crooks, Professor Mulgada Agana for thank you both so very much. This has been a special edition of Black in the Valley. This is Bill Newman, WHMP. of Western Massachusetts is the region's largest hunger relief clearinghouse. They have been since 1982. They distribute fresh produce, including vegetables from 39 local farms, dairy, grains, and other nutritious foods to families and individuals facing hunger. The Food Bank is proud to partner with hundreds of food pantries, meal programs, and social service organizations to provide hunger relief in all four counties of Western Mass. Did you know that they also offer free SNAP outreach, helping anyone who needs support navigating the process of applying for federal food assistance. They also offer free bags of groceries through programs like the Mobile Food Bank, which hosts food distribution events at outdoor sites. Everyone is welcome to pick up food all year round. No ID or proof of need required. Learn more about the Food Bank at foodbankwma.org or by calling 413-247-9738. The Food Bank of Western Mass, committed to making sure our neighbors in need have enough to eat and leading the community to Live end and hunger. local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station.